Welcome to another edition of the Find Your Calling podcast. I'm Todd Wilson, the host. Each week, we interview a different leader to talk about their journey of discovering their calling and the narrative backstory of how they found their calling. Well, I am so excited to have Mark Batterson with me today. Mark is a friend. We've uh, journeyed for a number of years together. He's in Washington, D.C., where I am. Uh, Mark is the senior pastor of National Community Church, author, speaker, and friend. Welcome, Mark. Hey, thanks, Todd. Hey, Mark, I'd like to just jump right into this idea of personal calling. And let's start with, if you'd take a few minutes to give us the narrative or the backstory, you know, maybe back to your childhood of just where you've been and what you've done. Yeah. You know, Alfred Adler, the uh, famous psychologist, uh, used to ask people about their earliest memory, Todd. And no matter what they said, Adler would say, and so life is. I think early memories are almost like coded messages. So maybe I can share a couple of mine. My earliest one is um, I'm four years old. My neighbor rides his bike down to my house three doors down and says, you can't ride my bike anymore uh, because my dad took off the training wheel then drove his bike back down to his house. I walked down to his house. I'd never driven a bike without training wheels, but I got on and uh, I rode the bike back to my house, put the kickstand down in my driveway and had a very triumphant feeling. You know, Todd, if you, if you want to get me to do something, don't tell me I can do it. Tell me I can't do it. I love a challenge. I love something that seems impossible. And, uh, I think that's part of how, how I'm wired. I'll share one other kind of interesting uh, memory. Uh, as I think back of my childhood, I'm, I'm kind of a denominational mutt. I uh, went to a covenant church as a kid growing up in Minnesota, Scandinavian, Lutheran kind of feel. Man, we went to a Bible church, a Baptist church, a uh, Pentecostal church, you name it. We've been a part of it. Uh, but my earliest church memory was one Sunday my dad got some football cards on the way to church, and I'm probably five or six years old, and he lets me uh, open the pack of football cards. And We were in Minnesota at the time, and I got a couple of Vikings. It was the best church service I've ever been a part of, Todd. Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) There was this moment of like, because I remember taking the golf pencil in the pew and just checking off the order of service because I was bored silly. Now, in all fairness, when you're five or six years old, it's not going to be a dynamic service. But over the years, I really felt like one of my great fears is boring people with the sermon or with church. In fact, I think it ought to be the most enjoyable hour of the week. And uh, and for what it's worth, Soren Kierkegaard said that boredom is the root of all evil. So I, I think those two stories are kind of early memories that are that are interesting to me. Uh, and then fast forward to sophomore in high school, I give a speech, but it's really more of a sermon. And it was like a, a salvation sermon, and I don't even know why I did that, but my mom sent a copy of that speech to uh, my grandma. And my grandma shared it with her uh, Bible study teacher, and her Bible study teacher said, has Mark ever thought about ministry? And the truth is, I hadn't ever thought about ministry, but that question by someone I never met, kind of uh, uh, created a question mark in my spirit because it got relayed back to my mom and back to me. And so 
then I'm at the University of Chicago, a pre-law major, and I have a moment in the cow pasture, and I feel called to ministry, and I transfer to a Bible college, and and then I go to seminary, and uh, and I'll make this quick. I'm I'm almost up to up to speed here. I, I take a graduate assessment that kind of tells you what what you're good at and what you're not. And uh, funny, I uh, let's just say that uh, I graded lo- very low in my. Uh, writing assessment. In other words, don't have anything to do with any kind of occupation that would have to do mm. with writing. Um, and uh, it's almost, you know, it's not like I was in like, well, if you tell me I can't do it, I'm going to do it. No, I, but, but what's weird is it's, it's that same year that I felt called to write. I was 22 and I wouldn't write a book for 13 years, but I would read about 3000 books in between there. And, uh, I don't think it's a natural gifting, Todd. I think it's, it's something, I think it's a calling, uh, more than a gifting. But then I worked really hard to, uh, by reading so that I learned how to, to write in a way that I enjoyed to read. So, um, th- those are a few backstories that, that maybe people haven't heard or that aren't as, as, uh, out there in the uh, common space, but uh, just a little bit of my backstory. Let's go ahead. You, you mentioned pre-law, though. Were you, so you were off to become a lawyer? Or? I, I was. I mean, University of Chicago was the top-rated school. Uh, my brother was headed towards law, and for whatever reason, I just I thought that seemed interesting. I, I enjoy um I enjoyed that subject matter, and uh, but I was only a year into it. So what's funny, Todd, it was actually uh, a Pearl major, politics, economics, rhetoric, and law. And so I thought maybe I'd end up in D.C. in some kind of capacity. Who knows? Hmm. But certainly not in the capacity as a pastor. I want to pick up the story there in a minute, but if I back up before that, you know, sophomore in high school – the power of those words that got back to you. Has Mark ever thought about being a pastor or, or a minister? So there's a seed planted there, but now you've got the rest of your sophomore year, your junior year, your senior year in high school to decide where you're going to go off to college. So press in a little bit the decision to go into pre-law and, and the University of Chicago, if you would. Like what shaped that decision? Well, my matrix for decision-making at that point was, you go to the best school you can get into. And they offered me a full-ride scholarship. And they were the third-ranked university that year, I think, behind Harvard and Yale back late late 80s. And I could play basketball for them. So it just felt like, nah, it's great. But here's what's funny, Todd. It was great on paper. But I, I then, at the end of that freshman year, I realized I had never asked the question, God, what do you want me to do with my life? Like the way I describe it, Todd, is that up until that point, I had invited Jesus to follow me. And that was the moment where then I accepted his invitation to follow him. And uh, it was kind of me putting all my cards on the table. And and I call it my summer of seeking now. I just, man, I was praying and reading and, and uh and I ended up coming back, and I dropped my scholarship and told them I was transferring to a Bible college, and they thought it was crazy, but I knew that it was the right move. At that moment, you know, you're finishing your freshman year. The decision, you know, it's one thing to kind of surrender to God 
that follow me part, you know, to give up following, you know, him following you, but do you follow him? It's another thing to give up the career in law with a full ride scholarship to go to Bible college. So that part of the calling that not just follow God, but was, how did you know God was saying Bible college? How did you know it was vocational ministry at that point? Well, let me keep it real. I was dating a girl who is now my wife, who was at a Bible college. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm not going to lie that that had had a little something to do with it. And her dad actually happened to be my pastor. Hmm. Um, And that had a huge bearing on me because I didn't have, my parents weren't in full-time ministry. It wasn't something that, those weren't the circles that I ran in. But what's interesting is looking back on it now, I feel like if you if you were gonna get me in a half Nelson and pin me to the ground and say what who are you as a communicator? It's not real complicated. I try to say old things in new ways, and the way I do that is through metaphor and cross pollinization. And I have books surrounding me that are I love neurology, I love physics, um, and I think a lot of that comes back to I took a class in immunology at the University of Chicago and kind of. I think every ology is a branch of theology. So I look back on it now, and if I had bypassed that piece of my journey, I don't think I would write the same way or preach the same way. So you make this decision to go off to Bible college, and did you say, or seminary, it's where your wife was at the time? She was, yeah. She was uh, at, at a Bible college in Missouri, and that's where I transferred to. Okay. And and in terms of what you pursued studying while you were there, how did you decide what to study while you were there? Well, at that point, I had I thought that uh, local church ministry, possibly pastoring, would be what I would do, and so I just did a kind of a generic Bible major because I figured it would lay a foundation, and uh, so that's the undergrad degree that I got from uh, the Bible College. And as you then progress to graduation, it's it's as you're graduating or somewhere near there that you uh, took the uh, the assessment that said you were low in writing, that you ought to stay away yeah. from things in writing. Now, yep. how did you discern at that point as you left college what to do and what did you do? Well, when I graduated undergrad, I, I, honestly, I think I delayed the real world and decided to go to grad school. I, I think... I don't want to knock anybody that, that makes that decision because it's the decision that I made. But I think a lot of it was I wasn't ready. I didn't know what I wanted to do yet. And so I ended up getting into a master's program. And that was a healthy thing, a good thing. And that's where I took that graduate assessment. And, Todd, that's where then I tried to plan a church um, at 22. And uh, we had a core group. You know, we had a bank account. We had a name. Uh, but we never got all the way down the runway. It imploded on us. Um, the core group did. And, uh, it, it was, uh, and that was the moment then I was like, I'll go wherever, whenever, whatever. Um, and, uh, that then led us through a sequence of events to DC where I had never even visited before. Um, and, uh, made a pretty big uh, step of faith moving out to DC. So it was in the difficulty of the church plant imploding that God worked through that to give you clarity to come to D.C.? 
Well, at that moment, I knew, well, our future isn't in Chicago. And, uh, and so it, it's kind of like our plan just blew up and, uh, it's crazy. I found a magazine ad about a parachurch ministry in DC and it, it just, it grabbed me. I don't even know what it was about it, but, uh, so we, we packed everything into a U-Haul and, and didn't even have a place to live, um, but really took a step of faith, feeling like D.C. was the place that God was calling us. So, And it felt like a geographical thing, Todd, that I feel like D.C. is the place. It's the geography where God wanted me to be. Um, you know, sometimes I tell church planners, well, where where would you most want to live or what— where would you want to raise a family? Like, why don't you think about there? But for me, it was pretty definitive that D.C. was the place to come. And it wasn't an audible voice. It was just the a strong sense or feeling that you had. Yeah, it was. It was. We came out to visit, and we're driving down Pennsylvania Avenue. And I don't know. You could explain it away and just say, hey, it's because it's the first time you saw the Capitol. That'll give you goosebumps. But... It was something more than that. I could see us here. I could envision us here. And, of course, the the funniest thing about the story is we came to direct this parachurch ministry, not to pastor a church, but, you know, I think God has ulterior motives, and God knew why he was calling us here, and it was the pastor of the church. But, of course, the church didn't even exist at that point. At the time that the church plant in Chicago failed, was there ever a time you and your wife thought or questioned the calling to vocational ministry? Did you think about doing something different? I didn't. I And maybe it's because I was so young. It's, it's not easy starting with a loss or with a fail like that. But in retrospect, it proved to be a great blessing because I think it showed me that, you know, unless the Lord builds the house, they who labor, labor in vain. And I think I came to terms with the fact that Maybe it was the wrong time or the wrong place, but I never questioned that calling to uh, to vocational ministry. So go ahead and take us to the next season. You come to run a parachurch ministry. Ultimately, you started the church you're in. Give us that sort of transition. Yeah, you know, it was about a year and a half uh, into living here in D.C. that uh, we had the opportunity to take a core group of 19 people and... and uh, kind of roll the dice again and it took it took some courage Todd because failing once is one thing you know if you fail twice poof that's uh that's even tougher but we rolled the dice and and you know first couple of years nothing real real glamorous about it I mean we averaged about 25 people our first year and uh, it took us five years to grow from 19 people to 250 people so it was really hard but I I don't know I just I believe in long obedience in the same direction, you know, and and uh, we just hung in there. And I felt like if we keep doing the right thing, something good is going to happen. And and uh, and of course, now you fast forward 20 years with eight campuses, and you know, it's it's. Uh, but there were moments where I was almost tempted to throw in the towel on the on the church again. But uh, awfully glad that we didn't. So, Mark, let me just, again, press into 
you're here running a parachurch ministry. You did not move to D.C. to start the church. You moved here to run the parachurch ministry. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. It wasn't even in the back of our mind. So how how long after you were in D.C. did was it to you and your wife had the first, where did you first vocalize, maybe we should plant a church? Well, we were approached about this this core group of people taking that core group. And I was a little resistant at first. You know, you pray about it, Todd. And do you get that green light or red light? I don't know. I just, we, we just got a green light and said, let's go for it. So, you know, January of 96, actually there, there were three people at our first service. It was me, my wife and my son, cause it was a blizzard in 96, but uh, <laughs> you know, 19 people the next weekend. And, you know, we were still young enough and energetic enough that we thought, if we give this everything we have, let's just let's just see what happens. Well, Mark, let me ask you this. I'm going to intentionally force a couple of tyranny of the ore questions that aren't aren't necessarily real life, but I want to sort of get your gut to. The last 20 years, you've planted the church, eight campuses, multiple books, uh, some top seller books. You love pastoring, you love teaching, you love writing. Clearly, there's an entrepreneurial zeal. You know, we're not getting into some of the other things you've done in the 20 years, but there's an entrepreneurial side to it. So here's my first tyranny of the or question. If God said to you right now, Mark, you have a choice. You got to pick one, writing books or pastoring the church. And I know it's not a fair question, but if, if God said that to you today, you got to pick one. Mm. Well, and if you want to plead the fifth, that's okay too. But it, it's, uh, I, I want to get at your core identity a little bit. Like what, what's really bringing you to life? Is here, it- here's what I'll, here's what I'll tell you, because it really is a both and for me, it's the pastoring that feeds the writing and the writing feeds the pastoring. But, yep. but I would say, Todd, in all fairness, you know, I, well, I want to pastor one church for life. So I really see myself given 40, 50 years to this thing. Right. And I don't envision stopping the, the writing piece. So, so honestly, I'll continue to do both. But there was a moment where I do feel like I, I went from pastor author to author pastor. And the reality is that, you know, I have the privilege of pastoring a church of, you know, thousands of people, but 99.99% of my influence is through writing. Hmm. And so at some point, you know, I realized that the writing is such a bigger umbrella that uh, I, I don't know. I, I think probably there's more influence there. And so, you know, in that sense, it, it would just, it would be like asking me to choose between two children. Right. <laughs> it, yeah. It seems to me, Mark, like if I, if I were to just take all of the different doing things you've done throughout your career and just the story you've given us, you know, the words that are jumping out at me are influencing thinking. It, you know, whether it's your interest in neurological things, it's, it's the writing. Uh, I know within the pastoring role, you know, teaching is one of the things you really like. Well, writing, teaching, neurological things, those are, those are all about influencing people or influencing thinking, it would seem like is, Am I getting that right? Or or if you were to look at all of the things you've done and try to bring it back to sort of some core identity things of what's at the core that fuels your identity, what, what would you boil it down to? 
Well, I think that's a good that's that's at least within the first ring of the uh, the the uh, bullseye, the target. You know, I, I love Oliver Wendell Holmes said that a mind shaped by a new idea never returns to its original shape. And my desire to say old things in new ways, it really is for that metanoia, that, that kind of mind altering. Like I, I love communicating that way. I love writing that way, cross pollinizing. So that's a, that's a certainly right there. I think the thing that brings me great joy is helping people maximize their God-given potential. And so as I preach or write, I think there's always kind of this motivational, listen, you know, potential is God's gift to us. What we do with it is our gift back to God. Um, you know, this sense of kind of a, almost like a, a holy discontent, if you will, that I love pushing people. I love, in fact, I kind of define my job as um, comforting the afflicted and afflicting the comfortable. I think that's the way I'm wired. Like I'm just never, I mean, Todd, I finished a book yesterday and I'm, I'm already thinking about, well, what's the next one? It, it's kind of this, it is that entrepreneurial streak and, and, uh, and this idea that there are ways of doing church that no one's thought of yet. So I think that, that hodgepodge or collection kind of gets at the heart of who I am and the way I'm wired. With the books that you've done and even the one you finished yesterday, What's the scorecard of what brings you to life in a book? Yeah, it's it's certainly not sales numbers, although, you know, the Lord's blessed a couple way beyond what I would have imagined. Uh, to me, I, I write for my great-grandchildren. A book is a time capsule. I know next to nothing about my great-grandparents, and I want to make sure that my great-grandchildren know who I am, what I believed, what I was willing to die for. And then if anybody else reads it, that's a bonus. So that, I, I really mean that. Um, uh, so that's, that's certainly, uh, one, one piece of the puzzle. But, you know, we, I pray that the book gets in the right hands at the right time. So to me, it's always about hearing that one testimony about, hey, I got your book and it, and it changed my life in this way or in that way or it, you know, helped me make a decision. I mean, that's the, it's always about that testimony, you know, of one person's life who was somehow touched or changed because of one page, one paragraph, one sentence. Mark, I want to press into this idea. You know, your prayer is that the book is into the right person at the right place at the right time's hands. And in this whole idea of calling, you know, one one of my most frequent prayers for my kids every day of their life is God put the right people in the right place at the right time. And you've already mentioned even a couple of times you know, where certain people have spoken into your life at certain times. Every one of these podcast interviews I've done, 100% in the story or the narrative is a right person at the right time, at the right place, speaking into something. I'd like to just, as we're winding down here, go back to your story. You started at four years old, the friend who came down with the bike. If yeah. you just give us a few of your I remember whens of the people in your journey that are the right person at the right place at the right time, that in retrospect, you didn't know it at the time, but you can look back now and say that was just the right person at just the right time. Those, it might've just been a couple of words. It might've been a phrase, whatever it was. If you could tell us or yep. share a couple of those. Yeah. I, I remember my grandfather who died when I was six, but I remember when I was about five, him uh, kneeling next to his bed, taking off his hearing aid and praying. Uh, praying for me by name. He couldn't hear himself. 
but everybody else in the house could hear them, and and uh, that'll shape you. Uh, I, I remember, uh, of course, this Bible study teacher that I never met that asked this question, has Mark ever thought about ministry? Um, you know, I, I remember m- my father-in-law, who passed 18 years ago, but I wouldn't be in ministry if it weren't for him, and I try to preach the way he preached and, and lead the way he led. And and and, uh, and then I've had the privilege of having a, a spiritual father, a mentor for 20 years uh, named Dick Foe, who has really taken me under his wing, a former pastor, former college president. And uh, he and Ruth were two of those 19 people uh, our first week. And, uh, you know, without their influence in my life, I, I know— I wouldn't be uh, anywhere close to where I am today. So uh, those are certainly some some key players, and and there are so many others, Todd. That and they're ordinary people with ordinary names that have had such tremendous influence in my life. Well, Mark, I want to thank you for taking the time today. It's been a, a real privilege to sort of hear some of the backstory of your life and see how the dots connect for you. And I, I just want to thank you for being with us. Hey, privilege is all mine. Uh, so excited about more and uh, digging into it. I, I just don't think you can uh, read enough or uh, press in enough to this idea of calling. And so, uh, hey, just a thank you to you for what you've done, for the book you've written, and uh, the blessing that uh, it's going to be to so many people. Well, thanks, Mark. These interviews and the Be Do Go framework that I use are based on my book, More. You can learn more about the book, More, at www.more-book.com.